One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. myself the same question to be honest Earl Neville texted me the other day and said uh, Raheem Sterling's asking for your number about this for this project if someone wants to support a campaign especially like the Black Lives Matter movement you need to educate yourself to be able to support that campaign you can't just like people say you, you put it on your Twitter you put it on your Instagram in football I, I couldn't imagine any any better glove than that because yeah like <laughs> door ceremonies playing in World Cups playing in Euros captain in England it's crazy because the day that I walked in like Leon like when you think of them like people say the Galacticos like they used yeah. to say about Real Madrid when Real Madrid used to just go yeah I want Ronaldo I want Kaka I want him I want him and used to just have everybody in the team like that's literally like what Leon women are like best striker everybody you've played with best striker I can't say that like, <laughs> <laughs> So drained going into that game. My legs, I was like, wake up, like, what are you doing? Like, this is the moment I've dreamed of. Like, I'm in Lyon. This is the city that I live in. This is the game that I was looking forward to was USA. And it was probably my worst performance out of the entire World Cup. As much as it breaks my heart that it was against me, if she'd been on my team and she'd done that, I would have been laughing my head off. We want to give you the proper TBG treatment. <laughs> this week's podcast is three hours long. <laughs> Hello listeners and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As ever, I'm your host Budge, joined by my faithful two co-conspirators Dot and Dej. Gents, how are we keeping? I'm good Budge, how are you bro? Bad, feeling a bit flustered, just finished a workout this, uh, this evening. But um, ready to go man, feeling fresh. How about you Dej? I'm doing well bro, happy to be here. We've got a special guest and I'm looking forward to chopping it up with her. 100% man, so we are, we are joined um, by a very special guest before we introduce her. Uh, before we introduce our special guest, I just want to remind you all, if you're not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, it's, it's the Beauty Podcast, and you can also listen to the audio um, of each of our interviews on Spotify as well. Um, and yes, we have already alluded to the fact that we are joined 
by a very, very special guest indeed. She's currently right back for uh, Leon. She previously played for Sunderland, for Everton, for Liverpool and Manchester City. She's been capped 81 times for England, scored uh, eight goals. Her, her surname might be Bronze, but she's certainly got a thing for silver. Accolades <laughs> 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 that she's won uh, uh, throughout her club career. But on an individual basis, she's won the PFA Women's Player of the Year twice, once in 2014 and again in 2017. And in 2018 and 2020, she has been named BBC Women's Footballer of the Year. In 2019, she became the first English footballer to win the UEFA Women's Player of the Year award. Without wow. further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Lucy Bronze to the platform. Welcome, Lucy. Welcome, 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 Lucy. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Big up yourself, Absolutely Lucy. Absolutely have you on the platform, Lucy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Th- thanks for coming um, on the platform. I think um, just to kick things off, um, it's like almost perfect timing because yesterday I saw, you know, the Time for Change um, campaign um, yeah, yeah. that Raheem Sterling put out on his Twitter and I saw you feature prominently on it. So how did that, how did that come about? Well, I asked myself the same question, to be honest. I got to... Um, Funny enough, it was Phil Neville texted me the other day and said, uh, Raheem Sterling's asking for your number about this, for this project. Um, so I said, yeah, no problem. His agent got in touch and said, do you want to be part of this project? I said, absolutely, definitely. Um, you know, especially with all the movements going on at the moment as well anyway. And I think you look at Marcus Rashford, you look at what he's done with his kind of stage that he's got. And I know it's something that's still, and it's, it's close to his heart anyway, but it's, it's something that I think a lot of people, and I hold my hands up, I'm one of them that's went and researched and educated themselves on. And I really want to be part of something moving forward. So it was, it was really great to be, that he asked me. So I was, I was absolutely buzzing because I wanted to do something anyway. And then for him to personally say yeah I want Lucy Bronze to be part of it with me and, and with all the other boys doing it I was like yeah definitely like get me on that I want to be part of it I want to help make change so no it was sick and it and the way it come out as well like like yeah. his agent was saying you know we want it to be powerful and we want it to really hit people and as soon as I saw it I thought yeah yeah it looks really good yeah so we've seen this um Black Lives Matter movement and it's sort of reverberated around the world um, how do you think all of us as human beings, because over the last weekend we saw some protests, unsavory protests in Parliament, and the way we feel is, is humanity against racism. Some people are maybe thinking it's white against black or it's this against that. What's your view on the current state of affairs? Yeah, I think it's, it's got to be everyone... Because um, I know it's not really the same comparison, but I feel like the same with sexism, like... It can't just be women fighting for women. We need men and women to fight for women. And I think it's the same thing. And the more that I've looked into it and educated myself, I think that is the way forward. And I feel like everyone says, yeah, it's education. But I, I don't know, like, when there's campaigns, for example, I'm saying, look, if, if someone wants to support a campaign, especially, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, you need to educate yourself to be able to support that campaign. You can't just, like people say, you, you put it on your Twitter, you put it on your Instagram. I feel like, like what I did, I, I took a, a few days to really go and look at everything to make sure I understood what was going on, to make sure I, I was behind it so that if someone asked me what's it about, I've got all that information to 
to, to fight for it as well. And I, I really do think education is a real massive thing. And I, to be honest, I feel like it's going to be with the new generation. Uh, you've got to educate people when they're younger because you, you look at the videos of, of little kids. Kids don't see differences. They don't, mm -hmm. they don't see it at all. And I think that's where it starts from. And if you can start with the kids and they grow up and they see the world and everybody is equal and they're going to pass it down and pass it down because, I mean, more likely than not at the moment, the people that you are seeing making the discrimination or, or the racist comments are predominantly an older generation mm -hmm. or a gen who's their elder generations passed it on to. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know what, Lucy? Something else that I wanted to ask you about um, is the state of affairs in in the women's game. Um, and it's interesting because we recently spoke to Julia Simich, who plays for West Ham, and she was talking about her journey in the game and how you know back home for her in Germany, um, while she was back there, uh, some 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 of the women that were playing in in, in the teams in the league had to balance working forty hours job just yeah, to yeah. sort of make ends meet because of the disparity in terms of wages right and and I know in your career certainly earlier on you had to sort of um sort of do jobs alongside um you know playing and so I guess I wanted to ask you know how, how you managed to, that dynamic in terms of playing whilst working part-time uh, part and you know looking back uh, at that period of time versus now how how much things have changed and evolved over, over the years um, I don't know. I think when I think about when I was doing it, I didn't know any of the difference. Um, although you could compare yourself to men's football and women's football, for me at that time, there wasn't an option to be fully professional and to be paid. So I never really felt like I was missing out or that I was deprived of, of something else because I never knew another female in that amazing position of being a full-time athlete. And I just, and like it sounds silly, but I, I felt like I was a normal member of the public. You know, you, people do, we separate, and in our country, we separate footballers as not being the normal public. And you just yeah. felt like that. I went, I went to school, I went to university, got a job in Domino's, and I was driving wow. to training twice yeah. a week. It was just, it was just normal. Um, yeah. But no, it's crazy now, like when I, when I, if I do sit down and, and you take a moment to really think of the change, like you could, I couldn't have gone to another end of the spectrum if I tried. Like literally I've gone from, yeah, like I was squeezing and writing a dissertation, working shifts at Domino's, <laughs> driving. Crazy. Uh, train and like then getting back and forth. And then now I'm like, I fly in a private plane to the Champions League final. Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> the glow up. That's a glow yeah. up, man. <laughs> in football, I, I couldn't imagine any any better glow up than that because, yeah, like, going to <laughs> ceremonies, playing in World Cups, playing in Euros, captain in England, like, everything's just went from literally, not the lowest of the low, but because, you know, I was playing, but even then, back then I was injured. I've gone from, mm. one, from one end of, yeah, working hard, work like working in a job to all the way to the top, pretty much. It's, it is. It makes you appreciate it more, though, definitely. So, like, take us back to the very, very beginning because me and Dej, we have a similar background. We both came from a council estate, and you know, when we think of football, we just think of happiness. So, I want to go back to the beginning. What does football mean to you? 
Yeah, I think the same as happiness. I think that's always the advice when someone says, oh, what's your advice for young kids? I'm like, if, if it makes you happy, you're going to do it. So you're going to work hard. So you have to ultimately, the first thing is, it's got to, got to be happiness. And that was that was totally it when I was younger. Um started playing football because my brother, he's, he's two years older than me. Yeah, standard. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we was we lived in quite a rural area in the northeast, like almost near Scott, like proper north. Like people say Newcastle, I'm like no, no, but like even more north, like really rural. <laughs> Didn't know a single girl who kicked the football until I was the age of the 11, 11, 12. Um, but yeah, as soon as I could walk, my mum was like, "You was kicking up a ball because everything your brother did, you just wanted to do it." And it's funny, like you said, like I said before, like when you're a kid, you see no difference. I saw, saw no difference in, in myself and my brother. And he was playing football, so, so was I. And I think the thing for me that was the biggest thing was that my brother didn't see no difference either. I think you hear so many stories with girls who maybe get segregated because the boys don't want them to join in or whatever. But my brother was like, yeah, it's my little sister and she's coming to play because she's good. So, and that's it, that, and that's that. So, yeah, I've got a lot of happy memories from playing football because it was, it was always playing with my big brother and all of his friends and all of my friends. And it was, like you said, it was just on the streets, going to the park every minute of the day, uh, at school, at lunchtime, and it's laying on concrete, like scraping my knees. Like, my mum used to think, yeah. my, little, my, my little girl, and she's got all scabs on her knees. And <laughs> Luckily, my mum was, yeah, she was okay with it as well, but. I definitely just think every when I was younger and playing football just brings yeah a lot of happiness. So growing up, who were your heroes? Did you look towards the women's game or you had heroes in the men's game? Um, I think to be honest, I really didn't watch a lot of football when I was younger. Um, crazy enough that my, my dad's Portuguese and doesn't really follow football, and my mum doesn't really follow fo- football either. It was my brother, and he supported United growing up don't know why but he did so he kind of had uh, like David Beckham and all them so I kind of said yeah David Beckham um, but I guess I used to just look at what everybody else liked um, one of my friends who I met when I was 11 another girl she loved the Brazil team so I loved the Brazil team like, yeah. it was just like that and I think in the women's game the games went on the telly anyway and like I said I didn't live, live near anything uh, so it wasn't until I was maybe yeah, 12, 13 when I heard of, literally even heard a name, and that was Rachel Yankee. Yeah, and so yeah. Off the Arsenal, bat, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah off the yeah. back was Rachel Yankee, and then it was Kelly Smith as well, and yeah. those two were the names that were, the only names known pretty much in England, and I mean, rightly so, I mean, Kelly Smith was one of the, the best players in the world, and Yanks, she was the first female player a professional contract in England, both England superstars, like they were the two that everybody knew and everybody as a little girl wanted to be them. Yeah, so quite early in your year, you spent a year in America, you know, for your college. And America is seen as this sort of pioneer of women's football. When we think of the World Cups, more often than not, they're dominating. So what is it about the American system that provides, you know, female athletes with that sound professional, you know, footing? Um, well, it's, the system is completely different to England for starters. Uh, you know, everything everything in America is geared up to go to college, even 
you know, the NFL, the basketball, the baseball, everything's geared up to going there. And if you're a sports person, you get scholarships, so you get it for free. Um, so football is kind of more, a lot more for girls in America as well. Um, but I think the, the thing what I realised when I was there, um, my coach, Anson Dorrance, was kind of a pioneer in, in itself in saying, why, why are we always so against girls being competitive? Like it's not, it's not deemed as feminine or girly for a girl to want to win or want to beat someone. And I think that's definitely a mindset that Americans have in general is so competitive. I think sometimes you, you, you think as an English person, border and arrogance, that confidence that they have. I think sometimes as an English person, we kind of see that because in England, you kind of put down for, for being yes. confident or having self-confidence and being competitive. But I, def- I definitely think that's something that I, I embraced. I was competitive anyway. I mean, I had a big brother. <laughs> I had to be competitive. <laughs> yeah, I used to get kicked about and all sorts. I just dust myself off back up again. But I think that was when I really embraced. Yeah, like, so what, you're a girl and you're competitive, like, roll with it. And it's funny because when I think now, like, I don't think I'm the most talented technically as a footballer. But I think that's my edge, is that I do want to beat everyone at everything. And that's probably what's got me to like that higher level, and especially in England. Um, but I think that is something that the Americans have got, is that competitive killer mindset. You can see it in, in the way that they train, in the way that they play. They're just, they're just constantly focused and on it. Um, but I do think tides are turning. And I think the Europeans and the English are learning that. Um, so I think, yeah. I mean, I think, I hope, and also I kind of know that in the future, I think... It'll be different. And what was what was that like for you in terms of um, adapting to um, you know life out in in the states? Was it a, sh- a culture shock? Obviously, uh, yeah, at the time you were quite young, going out there. I, I imagine you were on your own. Now you didn't have your family and, and that out there with you. So how, how did you manage that? I don't know. Um, to be honest, <laughs> I was. I was. It's mad because. I never felt at the time. So you're, when you're younger, you feel like, yeah, I'm growing up. I can do what I want. I was 17 and I did. I went there, lived um, with, had a roommate on the team who I'd never met before. My family weren't there. Yeah, it was six, six hour time difference, something like a seven hour flight from my entire family. But I think I just, you just dive in. Well, like, I love football, so it was just, even, even when I was moved to France as well, is you have that connection through football regardless. Like in France, it's a language and a culture. In, in America, it's a different culture, but we all had football in common. So it was, I never really hadn't thought about it, about adapting to it. You're just young, kind of living your dream. I can't, as well, at the time as well, it was... It's crazy when I, when I tell people now, but I kind of got rejected by England a little bit, which is why I took the route to go to America. Um, In what way were you rejected? Like no pro deals or no academies or? Well, there wasn't, there was an Arsenal Academy was pretty much the only girls academy kicking about that was, that was good. Um, and then they had a, um, the FA made like a scheme for girls to train full time and study at Loughborough. And they kind of picked... Not sure how many, but it was between four and eight, eight people to go, and it was from the England team. And most of the team that I played with England were either at Arsenal Academy or at this Loughborough setup, this scheme. 
and I just got rejected from it. <laughs> Said I wasn't good enough to go. Um, I mean, plenty of girls who went to it play for England now. Uh, Steph Porton, the captain, Jill Scott, Jordan Orbs. Like loads of the, loads of the girls went through it because you know, obviously England saw potential, wanted to nurture it and push them on. And yeah, they just, I guess they just didn't see the same potential in me at the time. But for me, it's a blessing in disguise. Um, I'm actually kind of grateful. I think re- rejection anyway makes you fight harder, but Definitely. also give me a completely different experience that not one single person at that time had had in England. I had a unique experience with, yeah, like the, the world-class standard for women's football in, in America. Mm, interesting. So take us through, you know, the embryo- embryonic stages of your career. Obviously, I know you had a spell at Sunderland. And, you know, I looked at your history and I saw Everton and Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, wow. So in the women's game, how big is that kind of friction and fraction between two of the teams? Um, I think between those two at the time, it, was, it wasn't really in existence as much. Um, and I think it's, not, it's probably not as much now. I think you do see rivalries more with... It's more the top teams who've been there for a while. So you look at like Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, who are the top teams. It's more like a top team rivalry more than a kind of a derby. I think you have City United, which is good, Tottenham and Arsenal, which is good. You kind of have that London derby with Chelsea and Arsenal. But I think as well, when I was at, I went Everton to Liverpool. And when I was at Everton, I was practically injured the entire time. I was there for two years. I think I probably played like a handful of games. How tough was that mentally? Well, it, it was really tough in one way, but not in another because I was at university, so I had that other focus. Mm. But at the same time, it was mentally draining because, you know, I had um, two operations in the space of two years. One kept me out for seven months and one was for 12 months. And the, the, the support that I had was pretty minimal, wow. not for, through any fault of, of mine or anyone else's really. It was just what was on offer for female footballers at the time like there wasn't there wasn't a lot around which is probably why it did take me so long so yeah I didn't really play much at Everton so yeah I slid under the radar when I then shifted across to <laughs> Liverpool because <laughs> there was a couple of other girls who came who, like they would think there was three or four of us that went at the same time and they were more like Everton legends had been there their entire career you know five or six years I've been there two years and injured, so I kind of just went in their shadow. I'm just like, yeah, you sign, and I'll just come behind you. You don't know what? Yeah, yeah, I was on trial. I was on trial. Yeah, no one says anything. Like it's like people didn't know at the time. People talk now and they say, "Well, you went ever live for my literally no one said nothing." I sneaked off. Like I I was pretty much a ghost ever, and just because I was injured so much. Yeah, so talk us through how it is being a, a female professional footballer in the women's super league because. Many people from the outside will think professional football, you're getting paid handsomely. So how are those conditions? Because you said when you were injured, it probably took you longer than it should have. So what kind of support was on offer at the time? At the time, I mean, Everton ladies team, at the time, they they tried their best. There was a a physio that was there, you know, that was uh, pushing on nearly 10 years. And we didn't even train every day. Um, you know, now it's different with a lot of the top clubs, say like City, Arsenal, Chelsea, you know, they're in every day. Well, all the clubs, I think, are mostly in every day and the physio is full-time. Back then, I think the physio was part-time. They trained twice a week. 
Um, they did uh, train at the same place as the men, um, but yeah, it just it just wasn't really there the support. I think it was kind of still similar to how you would play growing up or how you know you, your standard man plays at the minute when he plays Sunday, he goes train a, a Tuesday and a Thursday night for an hour. Then you go play the game on Saturday or on Sunday. It was it was it wasn't much different from that, and it was, yeah, it wasn't professional then. But I think now it's it is professional. It has changed. People are full time. Physios are full time. But it's still way off, way way off where it needs to be, or even where it should be for it to really be classed as you know professional league. And like you said, people go, oh, I have a fancy car and a big house and this and that, and I'm like. I probably would say that 99% of the girls probably don't because, yeah, the, the wages aren't, I mean, especially compared to the men, no one really gets paid like that in Emerald, but the wages aren't nothing to write home about. But that's the thing in women's football. You, I mean, you do in men's football, but it's it's just the love of the game. You play football for your happiness, um, like a lot of people do around the country. You play football because it makes you happy. You know what, Lucy, just on that, that point about um, the infrastructure and, 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 and the support network and whatnot at, at different clubs, from obviously the outside looking in, particularly with Manchester City, we look and we see um, you know, all of the investment and all of the, the, the money that's being pumped into the club. We hear people like uh, Khaldun Al-Mubarak speak about the vision of the club and, 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 and what the, you know, the, 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 the long-term goals are. And, and we're seeing that in full effect in terms of the investment. Is that, does that um, also translate over to uh, the women's team as well? And whilst you were there at the club, um, how, how different were the facilities and just the, the structure of, 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 of the setup there versus the other clubs that you've been at previously? Well, I think the... the the kind of reason and and at, and at the time when I, when I moved to City, they were like at the forefront. They were setting the standard. So we was training at the CFA where the men and the academy are. Although the women are on the academy side, you know, I remember the academy at the time it was Phil Foden, Jaden Sancho. So it was those players that you were in the kind of in the gym with and eating in the same place with. Obviously, the men's side is. Is it is a step up, step up naturally. Um, I mean, I'm not sitting here and saying you know women's football have to be on the same level as men. It's not going to happen overnight. Obviously, we get to at some point, but it's not going to happen overnight. But I think City did really invest into that. I think Arsenal did, Chelsea obviously did. I think the trophies, the the trophies that all these teams have won, kind of shows that they've invested a lot. Of them are training at the men's facilities. Like I said, there are still massive gaps. But I think as much as we can go, oh, the club's got the money and things, I think, like, I always think I'm a player and it's also my responsibility that the standard's good um, so that people watch. People will watch. means they'll be on TV. TV's there. The sponsor, sponsor money, money's there. The standard gets better. And it's mm-hmm. this kind of constant thing. I, can't, I don't think you can constantly point fingers and say clubs need to do more because, well, you need to do more as well. Like, it's not just down to one person. You can't yeah. just sit there and go, I want to get paid this. Well, go and be the best player in the world. by go and, go and get your team trophies. Go and make people want to watch you. And then all that stuff's going to snowball into effect. And I think a, a lot of players are doing that and do feel responsible and pushing themselves. But 
there definitely is a low in in so many different areas but when I was at City they were they were kind of pushing that that side of it and it I mean the, the stadium that they've got for the women's team is amazing as well which I don't think in Europe or really in the world you really see that No, that's fair enough. So, um, obviously, you've moved to Lyon. So, you've gone abroad to France. And Lyon are known as this team that win trophy after trophy after <laughs> trophy. You know, winning the league year in, year out. Champions League, winning it. Such of a culture shock to you, was it? Because I can imagine when you judge on accolades in terms of domestically and in Europe, Lyon are on this level then in the WSL, it seems like a, almost a different sport. So how have you found that transition from the WSL to the pinnacle of women's football? <laughs> I think uh, I, I was just excited when I, when I left anyway and to join Leon. But it's, it's crazy because the day that I walked in, like Leon, uh, like when you think of them, like people say the Galacticos, like they used yeah. to say about Real Madrid, when Real Madrid used to just go, yeah, I want Ronaldo, I want Kaka, I want him, I want him. And used to just have everybody in the team. Like that's literally like what Leon uh, women are like as well. So I remember just walking in the dressing room being like, oh my God, that's her, that's her, that's her. Like, and that, that was crazy. That was a, a culture shock to play in this team that the bench could play in pretty much any other team in the world and they're sitting on the bench for us so then you kind of realise why the trophies the trophy cabinet is so full there but it, it's crazy as well because every every game we play every other team plays like it's a cup final mm. no matter what this whatever the game is it could be the team who's maybe eighth in the league they're not getting relegated they're not winning anything they turn up they're pulling the socks up and they're like, yeah. right, ready to go. <laughs> kind of like what we see with Liverpool these days. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, we beat this team once. Um, they just got relegated to be there. And we beat them 6-1 or something. That one goal, they celebrated, they just won the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this team, I thought they won the World Cup. Hmm. It was crazy. And that, like, that's, then held it Leon it's like the girls we, we drew him in Champions League and everyone sat like I don't think we've not not lost the game you know we've, we've drawn the game we didn't have our best game anyway we've drawn a game next game we'll just win but you no know, the disappointment even at the, the club like have on you it's it's, it's funny because it's a pressure that the players hold people say oh is there a pressure to win I'm like yeah, there is from the club and things, but you feel it with yourself and you put that shirt on. You're like, I, I'm playing for Leon, so I, yeah, I've got to win this game because I'm, I'm a Leon player and that's the standard that's set. Like, I think there's been like one game. I think we maybe lost one game in like four seasons or something. Wow! Man. Wow! In cup, like cup, Champions League, league. Yeah, something crazy like that. It's it's mad. <laughs> What, so how many times have you won the Champions League? Is it back-to-back? I've, I personally, I've won it twice, back-to-back. Mm. Um, so I've only been there. This is my third season now. Yeah, I'm just the Champions League's going ahead again. Um, but Leon have won it four, three or four times in a row now. Mad. Or five times. I don't know. It's funny <laughs> because me and this other girl joined Leon at the same time. So we get pictures together when we're in the Champions League 
so we like last year we like hold it up and we're like yeah yeah two fingers like we've got it twice then the french girls have been at leon for like 13 years she's like yeah, yeah give me the trophy and she's holding two hands up like yeah i've won it 20 times <laughs> like oh go away like then they going, yeah i've won it two times back to back which mm-hmm. like people go yeah you've won champions league it's amazing and then just look at these pictures of these french girls going yeah seven times in a row or something yeah. <laughs> You know what, Lucy? I've got to ask: how, how easy was it to make that transition from City to to Leon? Because you obviously had great success at City. Uh, I remember that um, uh, FA Cup final, uh, twenty seventeen, when you uh, scored that header from, uh, yeah. from 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 the free kick. And then, obviously, earlier on, you were chatting about how you know you 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 your mentality has always been: I'm not necessarily the most technical player. I'm just very, very competitive, very committed. and So going to a team where it's star-studded and even the benches can, can get into anyone's first team, like, what, was, was it an easy decision for you to make? It was an easy decision because I just, I knew that I wanted, like, it's, the, Leon come knocking and no one really says no. Like, I was going to play with the best players in the world. Um mm. It was never anything against any other teams. It was like, I want to go there to improve and, and play with the best players. And obviously win the Champions League, which I knew out of any team in the world, my best chances of, of doing that, tipping that box was with Leon. Um, but it was to improve as well. You know, I was playing with these technical players, tactical players. I just sit there and train and, and just copy. Like, I'm literally copying what these girls are doing, trying to make myself better. And challenging myself, I feel like it's, it, the, the English league. I love playing in it, uh, and I love playing at City. But it was just something different, and to push myself, and not even just on the pitch, but even off the pitch culturally, I learned a lot from a lot of the the players there who've been there for a long time, who play for their national teams, who are captain of their national teams. I think we had at one point it was the German captain, the Japanese captain, the French captain. Like we've got all the top. Players, you just learn so much from every single one of them. Like, I just went there as a sponge, trying to soak up as much as possible, and I really thrive off that. I always have, I've always thrived off challenges, and I just saw that as like the ultimate challenge, which sounds silly because people go, "Well, it's not really a challenge to win trophy with Leon," but it was a challenge to myself to prove that I could, I could play in that team, and mm. no one would think Lucy shouldn't be playing there. Mm. It was like my challenge to go there and just to fit in like a jigsaw and just to be like one of them. Like they were the girls out and be like, it's crazy because they're my friends in the same age as me, but it is. It was just that I want to play with them. I want to improve. And these girls are going to, are going to push me. I trending like one-on-ones every day. I'm playing against the best left winger in the world and like the best right winger, the striker. So, and I'm getting that every day. So yeah, for me, it was a no brainer at the time and, and never looked back the day I went. It was, had a big smile on my face and I was just ready to go. Yeah, Lucy, there's one, you know, team mate dial into, Ada Hagerberg. You know, this is a player that, probably one of the best players in the game. I think she's got a crazy record, like 144 (laughs) goals in 117 games. When I read that, I was thinking, am I reading correctly? <laughs> she's only like 24 as well. Yeah, like when you think of the strikers, you know, Norway are producing with Haaland and Hegerberg. Imagine that as a duo up front. 
you know, that would be crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> how is it live? Because when you look at that record, you just think goal machine. So what's she like as a player? And personally, what's she like as a friend as well? Well, it's funny because when I went to Leon, I didn't know who spoke English for starters. And my French went about as much as bonjour and that was it. <laughs> yeah. And she was the first one to come up to me speak English. Her English is probably better than mine, which is quite embarrassing. <laughs> um, the girls, the girl speaks German, French, obviously no weed perfectly and just switches like that. But yeah, she was the first one to come up to me, kind of welcome me in and, you know, was like, if you need any food, I'm so, so excited to have you and stuff. And like, I literally always remember that day. She always, she was the first one to come in and, and to really help me. But on the pitch, it's like a flip of personality. Um, you know, when I, because obviously I'm crossing the ball and there's a, a right winger who's Dutch, but we speak English together. And we're crossing the ball and we're like, now nah, you cross for Ada because if Ad, you're going to know about it because she's going to bite your head off because this girl <laughs> scored goals. Like, you need to be on it. You need to give her the good, like, start. I mean, it, it might sound a bit intimidating or something, but it needs to be good because she's just like, you can just see it. She's just hungry. Like she's just mm. hungry for goals. She's hungry to do well in the games. That's Best striker you've played with? Best striker. I can't say it. Like, can I? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, to be fair, it's different, it's different, isn't it? Because I think at Leon, like she's perfect. She's she's big and strong, and she's just there to finish all the crosses. She can hold it up, and she brings everybody into the play. Whereas it, England. We're not as like at Leon. It's possession based. At England, it's probably not. We're not. We're not reliant on possession. Sometimes it's like counter attack. And then we've got someone like Ellen White, who's just mm. a nuisance in the box. You look at the World Cup, the chances that we got, <laughs> it's just like yeah, I'll just finish that. We'll give her four chances, and she only and she finished the four. Mm. You know, so I think that it's a different type of striker. Jody Taylor again. We had her at the Euros. Scoring all the all the goals for us off probably not as many chances as, as other players. So yeah, I think that's a hard question to answer. But yeah, you know, the the gold record speak for itself, and she did win the first Ballon d'Or. So I can't really can't really play it down, can I? So how has it been like you know settling into Leon because you've gone along with you know or you've met two teammates with Nikita and Alex Greenwood as well. So. When you're at Leon, do all three of you like stick together or are you sort of mingling with the group and, you know, getting along that way? I think, well, because I was there, um, yeah, two years before them. So obviously I've embedded myself in the team. I can speak French. Um, although the foreigners, we do tend to hang around with each other and speak English together. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Nikita and Alex came and it's funny because they're both like proper scousers, but so opposite, like... Alex is a, although she's like proper loud and stuff, she was a bit more timid and she's kind of stuck stuck to me to my side a little bit. But it's it's fine. Like I not struggled, but I wish I had someone like that and I can answer all the questions if she needs something and she helps. And I do the same for Nikita, but Nikita, she's not shy. <laughs> she just jumps straight in and she goes, "Lucy, how do you say this?" And she just starts talking and yeah, like to be fair, I think even in lockdown she's been French lessons the teacher keeps telling me like she's improved so much because she just doesn't care like she she's got that hunger as well that I kind of had to just throw herself into it and just to embrace it and I think 
you either go one or the other, don't you? I think Alex was, she's settled in the team, but she kind of needed that support around her, especially English as well. Whereas Nikita just went, yeah, yeah, I can ask Lucy and she'll give me help, but I can do it. Like, I'll give it a go and she proper tries to speak French and stuff. And, it, and it's good, like, she's improving so much. And I think, for me, I think that's so important when you, when you go to a foreign team to learn the language, because I just think you get that bit more respect off the players. Because mm. you can learn their own language rather than us lazy Brits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, por favor, mercy. Like, come on. And you do respect it. And, I, and that's something that I learned because when I was at City and foreign players used to come, you just totally take for granted that they speak English. And then I went to France and I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. Like the coaches speak and the girls are screaming, the, the referees talking. Like, <laughs> didn't know what was going on half the time. So, yeah, take us through, you know, your England career. Obviously, 81 caps. And I actually want to scroll back to last year where, unfortunately, you girls, you know, fell short in the semi final yet again. And. I recall um, you speaking to a good friend of mine, um, Rob Harris, um, from the AP in the mix zone. And you were almost, you know, disappointed with your performance. You were like, you know what? I could have done so much better. I feel bad. So just elaborate on the heartbreak of that moment. Yeah, I think, like, I I don't think I've ever really spoken about it because I don't want to ever make excuses for myself. And I went off the back one season and was doing so well with Leon. We finished Champions League. I had two days off and then I went to England to prepare for the World Cup. And then I played every single minute in the World Cup. And I think I always remember the the, the tournaments beforehand and you know you've got to do everything, you've got to be prepared. And I was going to this World Cup like, yeah, yeah, I'm prepared. But I kept thinking in the back of mind, like, I'm so tired. <laughs> like I've just played the longest season. To win everything, I pour my heart. Like I'm not a player that can hold back. Like Phil, mm-hmm. Phil said to me, you see, you know, you're playing, playing the bottom of the league next weekend for Leon. I'm like, no, it's a hundred percent, or I'm not playing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it's probably my downfall because I think the Norway game, which was the game before the USA, like I, I maybe got myself riled up a little bit because the Norwegian girls had said, oh, England aren't fit, they're a bit lazy, and I was like. You literally speak to the person who bases their game on hard work. Mm. Like, I'm going to prove you wrong. And, I mean, in the first 10 minutes, I set up, I think I got an assist and then, like, the assist of the assist for the goal. <laughs> and then I scored well. Well, that's, a, that's, a ter- that's a term that you, you use in football, yeah. The assist of yeah. No, I didn't get the assist for Yeah, yeah, I got the assist of the assist. I'm a yeah. fullback, so I have to clear on the assist of the assist. <laughs> Uh, it was and, then, and I scored as well, so yeah. that's all three boxes ticked. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I was winning 3-0, and in my head I was just thinking, Lucy, just take it easy. It's 10 minutes, like, but you don't ever want to think for the next game, but sometimes I think maybe I should have. And I, I really feel like I was just so drained going into that game, and I could I could feel it. And, like, my legs, I was like, wake up, like, what are you doing? Like, this is... The moment I've dreamed of, like, I'm in Lyon. This is the city that I live in. This is the game that I was looking forward to was USA. And it was probably my worst performance out of the entire World Cup. And I was like, and then the Sweden game after as well. Like, honestly, at the end of the game, 
I was trying to run and I couldn't see straight. Like the, 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 everyone was just blurring to me. My head was just like I was hitting the wall so hard. And I think it probably did, like in that USA game. And I just thought, I'm so annoyed because this never happens to me. Like I never run out of energy. And mm. that was the game when I needed the most energy. I needed to be on form. And it was probably the game where, you know, you always say, you're not going to have your best game every single time. I can accept that. But that was the one time I didn't need it to happen. And I felt like it was the one time where it was like, you're not, you're not on your game today. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, was, I built up during the World Cup to have better performances and, and, and improve off each game. And then that was the game where I just went, my body and my legs just went, nah, you're not doing it today. <laughs> Lucy, do you almost feel like that, you know, British mentality that we all adore of hard work, commitment, <laughs> run through brick walls? We all praise that. But do you think sometimes that can be to the hindrance and the detriment of your performance going forward in the long term? Yeah, I, I do think so. And I think that was my hardest lesson to learn. Um, I think off the back of that, I mean, it's, it's sad because I'm like 28 now. I feel like I'm on the other side of the hill nearly. But it's, <laughs> it's something that, like, when you're young, you just want to play. And I think especially because I was injured, it was, I've missed out on so much. I missed out, I missed out. I need to catch up, I need to catch up. And at England as well, I mean, it's, it's funny because it's not just me. Like, the other girls, Phil will be like, girl, girls, you don't need to train today. Like, say, Ellen White, you played every game. You don't need to train today. She's like, no, no, I'm training. He's like, okay, well, you're not doing this part. She went, okay, well, I'm going to go and run. Like it, it is the England team like that. There's so many girls in the team. You go, the doctor will say you're not training. You're going to rest today. I can't rest. No, I need to play. I need to play because I need to play the next game. I need to train. Do this, and I think I'm probably one of the better ones trying to look after myself. So, mm. but unfortunately, I played every single minute of every single game, and I probably didn't really appreciate that. I was just draining myself and I, and I was trying my best. I was sitting in the hotel every single day. I was in the pools doing stretching. Like in Leon, I was the only player that stayed in the hotel when we had a day off. And I stayed in the hotel, stayed in my bed, went in the pool and stretched and chatted with the staff, went back to my bed, went back to the pool, ate, and that was all I did. I was the only player that wow. did it. And I was so good because I was like, I've done everything. But wow. I think during the year, we just slowly grated down and we just playing so much. You know what, Lucy, I wanted to ask you how your um, your expectations change over the course of a tournament like the World Cup, right? So, of course, when you when you first go, you're like, we're going to try and do whatever we can to to get to to you know to the final and win and win this tournament, right? And uh, like. As you go on gradually throughout the tournament and you get closer and closer and closer, you start to change your like your 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 your, your perspective on on things, right? And you're like, it 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 changes from a oh we'd love to, well hang on, we we could actually do this, right? So in that tournament, what was the, what was the game that made your as a collective mind change to we would love to win this for, for well, from we would love to win this to now we could we could actually win this, but was it was it that game against Cameroon or was it uh, perhaps uh, the Norway game? I feel like I probably felt it was more the Norway game, which is probably sad because it was the moment we fought that is like the, it was our yeah. downfall potentially. But I think for me, I just I felt it from the beginning. I felt like we could beat anyone, which 
you like you probably don't see it in the media because you go, oh, yeah, it's game by game, we take game as it comes. And, <laughs> every game's a tough game and we want to focus on just winning this and getting out of the group. But then I'm going, I'm winning the World Cup, I'm winning the World Cup. <laughs> but I think, I think the Norway game, I think because we just click so well and we, probably, we scored on the most goals that we'd scored. We didn't concede. Um, I think the Cameroon game was different. Like, Feisty affair. Yeah, but it, yeah, and it was like, how, was like we've got through, so, yeah. if we've got through that, we can get through anything. anything. Yeah, like there's nothing else in this tournament that's going to happen that did not happen in that game. And <laughs> I, I, I feel that's kind of the way we looked at it because everyone said like we took it so well and we were so calm. I think it's it's quite sad because as an England team, I feel like we've had to prepare ourselves for decisions not going our way. I don't feel like we can always get like. A kind of a smooth journey in games, but I might just be biased because I play for England. But it feels like that. But we really prepared ourselves, and you could just see like just kind of ice the brain in that game. And everyone was going, "Yeah, like Phil said that it was like if you guys can get through that without the distractions, you're going to be the rest of the tournament's going to be a breeze if you just get your performances right, which we then did in the Norway game. Mm. But then it was like." need to go up a level you need it rather than just stay at that level or it's like an up and a down you have to then jump up again to play the semi-final and then it, it's another jump to then play the, the the final and then another jump to actually win the final it was trying to like I think that's probably where we didn't really go up another level after the Norway game yeah just going back to that USA game it was a famous moment an iconic moment Alex Morgan scoring, and she does that teacup celebration. You know, certain sections of the media were saying it was cocky, it was smug, it was arrogant. For you, as a player, opposition player, how did you find that celebration? Did you think it was a bit disrespectful? Or you thought, fair play, you know, you scored, celebrate how you want? I think both. I think the only thing is, is that I didn't, when the players celebrate, I don't. You don't watch them celebrate when you're. The yeah, team that's, yeah. So I didn't know that she did that, and then until like I don't even know when because you come off the pitch. I obviously didn't touch my phone because I was like anyone who's texting me can literally like go away right now. Do not want to speak to anybody. <laughs> and then I'm going through the media thing, and then I kind of heard whispers of it, so I like look at it. But I think by then I'd kind of went through the anger and the upset phase to, to quite like. I don't know, I didn't even have any emotion. So I didn't really, it didn't really hit me in the heart, but I think it kind of did, did when I learned it a little bit, but also at the same time, I think fair play, like that's like, that's why we love football for mm. controversy like that. Mm. And as much as it breaks my heart that it was against me, if she'd been on my team and she'd done that, I would have been laughing there, though. <laughs> you know, like you would yeah. be. I think, yeah. I think that's the way I kind of had to look at it, that I can't be, like, such a hypocrite because if Ellen goes running around with her eyes like this and Nikita's slapping the bag when she scored against Scotland, she's yeah. ripping a bag off when we scored against yeah. Scotland. And, I, and you can see me behind them running with the biggest smile on my face going, yeah, yeah go, go on, Ellen. <laughs> like, who am I to then go... Now it's disrespectful, and yeah, but you, you feel that when it's against you, of course, you feel that. Because, but I was just devastated that they scored, so it probably was like salt in the wound. But like I say, it was 
you would you would laugh if it was on your side. You know, what I wanted to ask um, Lucy is um, the first time you captained uh, a, a team was that it was the She Believes Cup, right? Yeah, in England. You've never had the that experience of, of captain and a side, and then the first time you do is for your national side. So, <laughs> what was that? for you like how, how was that communicated to you that you, you know you were going to be um captain in the side and and, and how do you how do you take it um, um well it was phil i think he was i can't remember if he texted me or he rang me but i was in leon and i was heading to the airport funny enough with the uh, the german captain at the time who was also going to she believes we were going to the airport together and he was like oh steph's injured like you're in kind of thing i was like um okay um, he'd, he'd already spoke to me about you know stepping up more when as soon as he took the job he was like I want you to step up more like you're not really you are a leader but you're not in that group that's been mm-hmm. like that we have like a leadership group and you kind of have that captain's group where there's a bunch of people who are kind of seen as the senior players I wasn't I did get asked to be part of it in the previous management but I'd always be like oh not, that's not me like I'm just going to do me you have your captains and and I'll just I'll just play the football like don't worry about me. Mm. Um, my mindset's changed as I got older and thought, actually I do want to be a leader, like I do enjoy that. I have got something to offer and I think Phil's seen that and and wanted to kind of push me in and challenge me on that. So like I was excited, but at the same time it was it was weird because I've never even wore an armband for any team. Like you say, like never. Never even when someone's been so I give it Lucy, never. So then I'm turning up this tournament, and from day one in training, like Lucy's the captain, and all eyes just turn to you and go, right, Lucy, like what we're doing? What's like? Where do we go next? Can I go to the toilet? I'm like, not your mum. Honestly, the question that get asked, just no matter. Everyone was asking for permission to do this, and can we do that, and what we're doing here, and when are we doing that, and. On the pitch, like, it was fine. You do the team talk, which I was a bit like, I'm not. I'm not great, like, motivational speaker. Like, the girls will tell you, if you get a compliment from me, like, you're doing something right because like, <laughs> stone sometimes. But they appreciate it more than when they get it. But, yeah, doing the team talk, I was a bit like, just play football. Like, let's just win. <laughs> but on the pitch, like, I know I can do it. You know, set an example, playing hard, doing the right things. That was no problem, but it was quite a, a shock to the system. All the other girls were like, as if it was I was always the captain. But I think you you mm. feel it more when you feel like an expectation. But it was good, and then obviously I've grown in that role, been made vice captain, and you know I work really with Steph now in the England team and have a bigger voice and more of a leader. I mean, I am I'm, I am a senior member as much as I want to be in the kids team every time in training. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm one of the older ones now, so it's kind of right that I step up to that, but I feel like it's part of me now as well anyway. Like, I want to be a leader. I want to, to make the team win. I want to change the mentality and, and do all that because I feel like I can make that difference to the team to take that next step, like you say, semi-final, semi-final, semi-final. Like, yeah. I've done it with Leon now. I've been and got them experience to the England team and go, right, girls, this is how we're going to do it. Listen up. And that people are listening, that they respect me. And I think that's what I like the most is that I know now that girls on the team, every single one of them 
respect me and I respect them. And I think that's kind of the best thing about being the leader and, and, a, and a captain figure is having that. No, so Phil Neville, you know, he's a manager that believed in you heavily. I remember him coming out <laughs> a few years ago and saying that, you know what, Lucy Bronze, she can play in a men's game. Obviously, with England, you've reached the semi-final twice. I believe once under Mark Sampson and once under Phil Neville. Mark Sampson's a big fan of the show. He's been on the podcast, an exceptional coach. So would you say there's a clear difference or would you say England have progressed since Mark Sampson has left? I think, I mean, on paper, we've got a bronze medal with Mark. And then we um, I think there's been a progression in certain ways, but I think the style of play that we changed, like Mark was, it was so strict on defending and being hard to beat. And then Phil came in and was like, oh, let's pass the ball a bit as well. But then we almost lost a bit of identity that we worked so hard with Mark with when Phil was trying to get us to evolve more. Um, I think we saw that at the beginning when Phil came in charge that we managed to keep a hold of both, became a better team, but the more we played, we lost all like that hard work. Not the hard, we lost all hard work and real grit that Mark really installed in us. Um, but I think now our belief is different. Um, we woke up with Mark. When I say we took each game as it come, I think we took each half as it came. <laughs> we changed. <laughs> t- this story I tell all the time. We played Canada in the quarterfinal. And they've got a, a, an English manager, Geordie Fellow, which is, is even funnier. <laughs> and he did an interview before the game and said, yeah, I'm excited to play England because I know what they're going to do. And we all went, well, we don't know what we're going to do. Mark used to change it that much and be like, oh. right, today we're going to, it was like makeshift, like, you want to do this, you want to do that, right? Half time, we're going to change, we're all going to do this. I played left wing against France for the first game. Wow. Like, it wow. was just, it was wow. just like, <laughs> Literally, wow. each kind of 20-minute section of each game was broken down and we were just taking it 20 minutes at a time. Wow. Whereas when we came, like, with Phil for the World Cup, we were like, girls, we want, we want to get the final, like, we want to win it. There was that different mindset that had been brought in. But to be fully was because we were more successful beforehand, so we had that belief to build on. So it was a little bit of um, kind of a change, but... Again, now it's going to change again because, you know, Phil's going to be leaving us next year, I think. So who do you think should be the next manager? Emma Hayes, you know, a manager that I rate very, very highly. I see on the football debate, the way she speaks about the game, very eloquently, very highly thought of within the FA. Do you think she should be the person that's given the job? Um, I feel like, I feel like she'd be really good in the England job, but I think... If I know her, I feel she's going to stick with Chelsea. Um, you know, she's had a baby. She probably want to stay at, you know, stay at home, but like Chelsea's like her baby as well. Anyway, that's her project. Um, I think I think she might have went for the job uh, previously, and I don't know whether she, she didn't end up wanting it or yeah, I don't think she. Yeah, I think she ended up wanting to stay with Chelsea, and I feel like that's where our heart's at probably more so um but i feel like not to, not to be like overly confident but i feel like our team's in such a good place like we have such good such an array of talent both old and young inexperienced experienced whether it's in and out 
in WSL in Champions League. Like we've got such a good structure. We've got the FA backing us more and more each year. The facilities that we have and just the travel, the games we play in. Like it really is just like the finishing touches and mm. not to sound yeah like like I say overly confident, but I feel like most coaches would be think rubbing their hands together going. Yeah, like this is a nice setup to walk into, put my stamp on it, and I can get these girls playing football because you've got you've got talented players, as tactical players, physical players. Like you, you've got all that within our team. It's now like like they fit in that that kind of jigsaw together. And, and most coaches, I feel like like Emma Hayes would be rubbing hands, going, "Well, I can I'm quite out for this job. I can do that, and I can take England. Got a." We've got GB, we've got an Olympics, we've got home Euros, then there's a World Cup, like, I don't know. It's, it's the proposition. Yeah. Yeah, like, if I was a manager, I would be going, wow, that is, that is a special, <laughs> that's a special job. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. A manager of home Euros in England as well, like, England's going to be crazy for, for the football and mm. playing a final at Wembley and things. Like, I, yeah, I don't know, I feel like... Come on, coaches, and then get the CDs, and we'll, we'll take our pick of the bunch or something. <laughs> Do you know what, Lucy? Just going back to um, uh, Phil, he obviously is someone who you know rates you very highly and, and, and believes in you. Um, and one of the comments that he made was he well, he likened you to um, uh, Philip Lahm um, before he played you in in midfield and said, you know, Pep Guardiola did it with uh, with with with, with Philip. He's one of the best right backs of all time, and put him into the midfield. Why, like you know, why do it? So, a bit of a question. One, how comfortable are you playing in midfield, and, and, and you know, how different is it to uh, play in you know, you know your favourite position of, of right back, and receiving praise like that from your um, from your gaffer? How, how, how important is that to you? Yeah, well, it's funny because I thought, you, I thought he was going to say that he compared me to himself or something. I was going to be really disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, no, I know, like, you know, to be fair, me and Phil have a really good relationship. Um, and it is nice to get that kind of praise and to know that your, your manager really believes in you and really backs you. I think it is really important. You see that in, in both men and women's, women's football. You can tell when a player's got the backing of the coach the way that they express themselves and the way that they play with freedom like it really doesn't make a difference so of course I'm I'm always happy to receive that praise from my own manager who thinks so much of me and has nice things to say about me um, and do, you know what I actually love playing in midfield I think it was a difficult time I think we got criticised a lot because we didn't weren't getting the res- we either weren't getting the results or we weren't really getting performances after the World Cup and it was a missed match and there was a lot of going Anonymous and players got injured, and I was kind of I was filling a spot at the same time as trying something. Um, he tried me in midfield, in a, like we played behind closed doors, uh, a squad like an inter squad game in January before the World Cup. So I'd already known that he kind of fancied that a little bit, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, it's so different to full, it is so different, but similar. Like, you have to have. I had have bags of energy. I was playing with two of the younger players as well, um, probably more inexperienced. Them two were telling me, we should get there, we should go there, do that. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Like, it was so much fun getting them two 
like teaching me it was probably a good experience for them as well to boss one of the experienced players around and, and I was just like yeah yeah I'll do that I'll do that but I did play midfield when I was a lot lot younger but midfield's like apart from being a striker midfield's those two positions are like the position where you have this big influence I think yeah. that's and you know people say like I have a lot of I have such an influence or an impact for a fullback and I'm like I just like want to it's like Trent yeah, but they say for a fullback, and I'm like, well, why is it not just for a player? Yeah. It's always like, oh, for a fullback. Or... Caveat it with a fullback. <laughs> <laughs> always annoying me. Whereas if I was a midfielder, they'd be like, oh, she has a lot of influence or something. But yeah, I mean, the midfields that we have at England, we have such good players, but it was so much fun. And I felt like I had some good, I had some good performances. I had some average ones. Um, but I think people were comparing it to my performances at right back. And I was thinking, I played right back my whole life. And I played midfield three times in training. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm playing at the international level like I'm not going to be perfect. Mm. I'm not going to be at the same level. Kind of give me a chance. But yeah, because the team as a whole, we weren't performing. I think I probably got criticised on that behalf. But it doesn't bother me. I enjoyed myself. I want to have another go at it, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, um, final question. Um, I just want to say you've been an absolute um, privilege to have on the platform. But um, I just want to end with um, Hope Powell, um, the current Brighton manager, um, you know, born and bred in Lewisham, a similar area to mine. Um, how important has she been for, for the women's game in terms of, you know, gender equality? and um, racial equality because from the outside looking in she looks like an absolute pillar within the women's um, football industry so just talk a bit about her influence on the game I think it's it's so crazy when we talk about Hope Hall now because I mean I was I just got into the England set up as she was leaving the England mm. team but she was when I think now I'm like she was so ahead of her time if she was the England manager now and like the, the amount of things that she fought for, let alone the fact that you talk about her and herself probably having to fight her own personal battles in society. Then when she fought team and the levels that she took the team to was, was crazy. I think we only really appreciated it now when we reflect back, like all the players even now we, we do, we speak about and we say, how much did Hope Powell do for women's football? You know, she, she drove so much through and, and changed so much in the game. But, it's funny because my memories of her, she was so stern. Like, you didn't want to do anything wrong. I can remember she came to a game when I was at under 17s and she used to wear glasses and she looked at me over the top of the glasses and she was like, better not give the ball away today. I was 16 and I was like, shake my boots. <laughs> the senior manager come in the train and pulled me out just to say that to me. Uh, and then I got she to be fair though she was the one who gave me my first cap as well and that was the first time I saw her let down a guard a little bit with me she put two me and another girl on and the other girl she said play passes right don't give the ball away do your job and then she turned to me and she went go out there and enjoy yourself Lucy and I thought thanks Hope I will but <laughs> any other time she was so stern and she was making sure everyone did everything right wanted everyone to be professional was driving making sure that the girls acted right did the right things dressed the right way even 
because she wanted us to be that team. She wanted women's football to like get to the next level and she knew she had to drive it. So I think, yeah, we, we do appreciate it now. And she's, I think she's probably modest in that and the fact that she maybe might brush that off a bit and not really want to take that praise, which I love even more. I love when, I love when people are like that because you just want to do it even more and, and speak about them more. But see, when you think about game changes and more, I think she's, she's up there. I mean, she played for England as well, but yeah, a certain, like you say, a services to women's football. She's done, she's done it all. She's club managed international. She did even take England to a final of the Euros as well, which mm. probably gets forgotten about because it was wow. before my time in the England team. It was a long time ago. But yeah, she's, she's done so much. I think everybody who's played under her and even who hasn't really does appreciate what, what a difference she made. And last no, one, well what's said, the future for well you said. after after football? Pardon? What's the future for you after football? <laughs> I don't know. I have I have two options. I'm thinking either, you know, I, I've, I work in, in the FA and, you know, change the system and, you know, right, right some wrongs and also promote the, the rights as well and, you know, do my bit like that, you know, I'm... I'm really passionate about making change and making things better, not just about women's football, but about so many things. I think football's such a huge drive for that. And the FA, UEFA, like they're all such big, like companies really, um, big big so- associations to be able to make a change. There's part of me that really desperate for that to do that, and there's another part of me that thinks buying a bar in, in Barcelona, retire, wow. hang the shirts in the bar, <laughs> make uh, sangria for people all day and just live a, live a happy little life. <laughs> Hopefully we're lucky enough to get an invite, Lucy. Yeah, <laughs> come to the bar. 100%. Lucy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Absolute honestly. pleasure. Absolute it's pleasure. This has been a great insight into the women's game because let's mm-hmm. face it, we need schooling on the women's game as yeah, well. So for you good. to come on and provide us some insight is very valuable for us and we can take it and use it going forward as well. So we've learned a lot. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you very much, Lucy. Well, uh, hopefully I've not spoken, t- chatted years often. I feel like I've chatted <laughs> No, no, we've loved it. You just kept asking loved the it. questions. So I was like, <laughs> we want to give you the proper TBG treatment. <laughs> <laughs> this week's podcast is three hours long. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's, it's been great. So listeners, thank you very much for listening in up until this point. And of course, you that are viewing this on YouTube, We're going to call it a day there. Before we sign off, just uh, another reminder, if you're not yet subscribed, make sure you do subscribe on YouTube. It's the Beautiful Game podcast. Um, You can listen to our episodes on Spotify mainly, but also on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts as well. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore TBG and Instagram at pod underscore TBG. And until the next episode, over and out. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for.
Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.